1: get Up to sixty percent off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST.
0: Hi, I'm Billy Bunger, and hi, I am Johnny Herbert. And welcome back to Lift the Lid, the podcast yes she flat out around the world of Formula 1. Johnny, we're back after summer break, mate. Firstly, how's it been?
2: It's been okay, been actually. Yeah, not too bad. A little bit of karting. got karting actually coming up in Rissington. That's my next, next visit as well. So, haven't actually gone away on holiday. Uh, just spent a bit of time with uh, the granddaughter, the daughter, and her husband. Uh, but it's been okay. Yeah, not bad at all. A bit of racing in between.
0: Bit of racing in between. Better go-karting. and hope the ribs aren't too sore, mate. No, no. I went to Wilton Mill.
2: Now, that As is normally supposed to brutal, be, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I came away from it a little bit little bit bruised, yeah. but otherwise, yeah, no problem whatsoever. It was very brutal. Look very, 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 very grippy. Very grippy. very grippy. very grippy. I was absolutely finished at the end of the day. We only had about four sessions, I think it was, but wow. Good fun, though. Good fun.
0: Good to hear, mate. Good to hear. Hope everyone at home listening has had a good summer break, too. Obviously, back to the world of Formula One, mate. Back to some proper racing out on track, which is obviously good to see. Yeah. So I think we should just get straight into what went on at the Dutch Grand Prix in Zandvoort.
2: Yeah, indeed.
0: The weather played
2: a part. It did indeed. Thankfully, yeah. So a little little bit of a
0: spicy Grand Prix we ended up having. Very testing. Some rain coming down early on in the race and some some strategy calls having to be made from the get-go. Yeah. Some people got that right, mate, didn't they? And some people, they got it wrong.
2: Yeah, but again, we saw how well Alex Albon Williams had done in uh, in qualifying and, and Logan Sargent as well being in the top 10. Uh, but of course, they all a bit pear-shaped uh, for them from that point of view. But that was the same Mercedes. They, they made errors at the same time. But of course, it was that classic situation that Red Bull Pretty much, sort of did the job that they needed to do again on strategy.
0: Yeah, particularly Checo. Yeah, I mean yeah, he slightly missed the lose, didn't he? He did. It's one. Of, it's always one of those situations when you get those mixed conditions where you know if you're at the front, you want to kind of you kind of you're the first one arriving at the corners, and and sometimes you know it's it puts a bit of pressure on you. You don't want to give up track position and make the wrong call. And look like a donut. Yes. Like <laughs> <would feel. laughs> uh, it, it does you, when you have those sort of mixed conditions, it always feels like, you know, if you're further down the order, it's a bit of a punt to nothing. And that's what we saw from Checo. But you mentioned Mercedes there. That's kind of what shocked me with yeah. Lewis. Mm. That they didn't take the same punt and gamble. Which I guess in theory wasn't really a gamble because it was raining significantly, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, yes, yes. And I'm only watching it from a TV screen. Yes, I could see it. So actually, being there, you would have seen it a lot easier from that point of view. But it's 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 so surprising how often those decisions don't. It's almost I always go. It's almost like they're looking at their computer screen. They never look above. They never look outside yeah. and what's going on. And sometimes, you, sometimes you've got to do that. Just a bit that. of common sense, is yeah, it? Yeah, well, there you go. A bit of common sense. But it doesn't always sort of work that way. So, you know, I don't know if it was that simple, but it did seem to be quite a, as you say, it wasn't really a gamble at all from that point of view. So it it it, it hampered, because Lewis's race especially, because obviously he actually was quite quick, wasn't he? Actually in the race, race situation. But of course he was always having to battle through rather than sort of starting at the front end. And I know Lewis even said he reckoned that they could have actually taken it to Max. But of course we're never known. Classic. We'll never know
0: indeed. Yeah. Obviously you mentioned Lewis there and how, you know, he was starting further down the order so he didn't sort yeah. of, you know, make the right call. But equally his teammate, George Russell, started right up there. Yeah. And within a matter of laps, because of again, a little bit of a strategy slip, he was ending up I think he was down at sixteenth or seventeenth after right. a few So he was Right down the bottom end of the grid. And he, he came across on the radio, didn't he? And said, How have we got how, this so how? wrong? How? How yeah. am I in this position? Which obviously raised a little bit of a stir, you know, from from some people. They thought, Oh, you know, obviously it's a decision made across the board. George obviously had an influence in that decision and decided to go with maybe what the team was telling him. Yeah. Um, because from what I could kind of, you know, get the gist of at the track is, a lot of the reason why people were deciding to stay out on track was because they expected the shower to be so short yes sir coming in having a pit stop losing that chunk of time they didn't think the track would stay wet enough for long enough for that to be you know a worthwhile decision but you know what it's like to drive a you know a racing car on slicks in the wet, and especially where tire temperature is so important. It's like driving on ice if you just get it slightly too wrong.
2: Yeah, well, again, it's Zanville. And, you know, historically, it's always been very slippery. Very slippery when it's it's damp. Now, they had a little bit of, um, you know, a go in those damper conditions. So everybody was aware of how the track reacts. And especially, as you say, you put slicks into the mix at the same time and you put the temperature of those slicks that is actually non-existent into the mix, you're going to get very, very difficult situations that you're going to put yourself in as a a team and sometimes as a driver. There is always, as you know, there's a risk factor that the teams take into consideration. But sometimes if you're overcautious, overcautious, it's going to kick you right in the teeth. And I think that's exactly what happened with George, for example, and and as I said, with Williams, uh, possibly as well. So it's sometimes that, risk has got to be sort of, as you as you said, a bit of common sense has to come into play as well. And there is a sort of a risk part. There is always a risk there anyway, but with the computer telling everybody what's supposed to be going on and trying to feed it with all the information that you can eventually, and or, or actually more often than not, it doesn't quite get it right. And especially when they expect the show maybe not to be as long as it was. But hey, that's the way things are you've got to take a pun sometimes even as a driver even as a driver you you're the guy in the in the car you know what the car is doing you know what the how the tires react and sometimes you've got to come on that radio and say i'm coming in
0: yeah i think and
2: that's the strong character you need to have sometimes yeah that's definitely
0: a sort of call we would hear from someone like a max and we've obviously mentioned the winners and losers and max in that first period of the race actually was a loser in theory because he dropped behind in theory, his teammate yeah you know he wasn't yeah. right at the back of the pack but from he went from leading the grand prix to effectively not being in the lead but yeah what a performance he put on from there to the end of the grand prix i mean we've come to expect solid performance after solid performance from someone like max verstappen but i thought that was remarkable what he was doing in those mixed conditions uh, and someone as well worth mentioning while we're talking about remarkable in the the Grand Prix, I think, is a certain Fernando Alonso, because that Aston Martin I is not that was podium for a while. <laughs> and wow, well,
2: I, again, it goes to experience. Now, you know, if we put we put uh, Max into into the same category uh, as Fernando, of course, it goes back to our karting days. So we have all that experience that we had in karting, the younger formulas, all the way through, and eventually you get to Formula One. You still use some of that uh, history that is still such an important part of what it's like to be even in a Formula One car. And Fernando is one of those, he just knew what to do. And even his racing line through as it turned three, that was banking. He was already aware of what he was going to do, but didn't show it the others that's what amazes me he caught
0: them knacking didn't he
2: yes he, again again, he's always thinking always thinking out of the box that's something like Lewis to be honest that's something like Max Etten, Senna Mansell all the all the champions in the past have always been very very smart but Fernando at 42 is still showing that he's smarter than the rest at the moment which is really good and just briefly talking about Max I know Adrian knew it came out and he's, he's probably absolutely right and I've got to that point now Max is one of the greats of this book because of the performances that he's put it in. Yeah, everybody might say, "Well, he's in the best car." Well, there's been many best cars, but they've always won the championship with a particular driver. Lewis Hamilton being one of those, or Nico Rosberg in, in sort of more more modern times. Sebastian Vettel always gets criticised. Ah, oh, he was always in the best car. Y- yes, so was Nigel Mansell when he won in 1992. So was Ayrton Center and Alain Ross when they're in the McLaren, dominating that latter period of the 80s. So it's always been the case, but it's the ability to do it every single time, which is what Max does. Sergio Perez, let me think. Yes, he has the same car, the same equipment, but he can't produce the same type of unbelievable, consistent performances that Max, Max does. There's a wow factor to Max. There was a wow factor with Lewis in, you know, when everything was going perfectly for him. So it's brilliant for brilliant to see and we should all actually enjoy it because it is a very, very special thing that we're, we're seeing again.
0: Yeah, I think it's just hard, isn't it, Johnny? If you're a fan of any sport, to see one one name at the top of the timesheets, one name yeah. you know, dominating the sport, you, you can understand why fans sometimes they want to see more people fighting for the victory. But equally, if you take a step back from it, like you said, you have just got to admire what he's doing because he's able to extract something out of that car that, a very well established and highly rated driver in Sergio Perez isn't able to do it's, you know we're talking in Formula 1 about the top 20 guys in the world yeah and when you look at the difference of performance from Max to Checo in the same equipment it looks chalk and cheese doesn't it it looks like you know Checo Perez is, is only a few years into you know driving he looks like almost like he's a Formula 3 driver yeah competing yeah. with a Formula 1 driver at some points and I don't think that's anything really to do with Checo himself. I still think he's good enough to be a Formula One driver. Oh, or, absolutely. And he's proved absolutely. that over the years. But like you say, Max is just performing at such a high level. So you can, understand, yeah. you can understand why fans maybe don't like it, but you can equally, if you sit back, you have to just accept that Max is doing an exceptional job right now.
2: Yeah, again, I go back to some of those names I mentioned before. They were always able to get best out the cars that they had yes they were the best cars on the circuit but they never got criticized even michael schumacher in that dominant time he had at ferrari no one criticized michael when somebody's in the best car that's why he's winning actually people liked and enjoyed what michael was doing in many respects some people yes did sort of turn off because it was it was too predictable but um from max's point of view I'll tell you what would be really good to see and hopefully it's something we're going to see sort of in the next couple of years with a bit of luck anyway is where the cars will be a little bit I don't know let's say similar in design and it'll be a bit more possibly standardized a little bit to try and get the pack closer together so let's say we had sort of F2 cars yeah who would be the best in a in, in a Formula One F two type car.
0: That's what a lot of fans want to see, don't they? Like yes, that's what I want to see. Drivers in as similar equipment as possible, still allowing there to be some interpretation of like interpretation of, you know, rules and stuff like that and regulations, but just make it to a point where you're talking there's a few temps between the cars, you know, from the best car to the worst car, rather than up nearly a second between the, the best and the worst car.
2: Yeah, I, again, it's something that, yeah, you're right. A lot of people want to see that, but there are a lot of people who still want to see the core of what Formula One has always been about. It's about being inventive and coming up with something special. Yeah, and of course, this week they've been talking about the flexi wings that have, that's been happening. but And it's a very, very clever engineering feat that these teams are able to do because they have a test. That they go in the garage when they're at a circuit they put a weight on it they pull it and tug it and everything else and it passes there's your, there's your piece of paper off you go race it but they're so cleverly designed that at a certain point with a certain amount of download that they have on it they can make them do some incredible things which is the flexi rear wing we used to see Now it seems to be as a slightly flexy front wing that's coming into a flat I think to fix the flexiness take the front wing off then you don't have that problem anymore. No, and actually, I... they'll probably follow closer because of it. So I've, I've always liked, you know, not having a front wing on it. But he, but then you'll get the core enthusiastic, technology-driven fan who will actually go, well, that's not what it's about, that it should be about those clever, special things. It is, but then you have your problem where someone's going to dominate because they just have something that they're a little bit more clever than, than anybody else. Is that good or bad? Well, it's clever in one way. But as a show goes, you always are going to have that domination. I'd prefer, to be honest, that they were closer together. So get rid of the front wings. They might moan and complain about it, the teams and the and the aerodynamicists, of course. But they'll find a way of being able to sort of get the cars to sort of perform a little bit better. But I think the racing be better because I think they will be able to follow closely. So very simple fix. Cut them off.
0: You've come back with a bang, mate, after our summer break. Johnny Herbert, <laughs> get rid of the front wings. <laughs>
2: yes, <laughs> logical. Talk about a big statement. I remember having a chat, Billy, with Martin Brando and Damon Hill, and we always exactly the same opinion get rid of the front wing. And that was when all this sort of uh, grad effects sort of was being spoken about. And it was the most obvious thing to do. They did it in the 80s and it wasn't a problem. Well, they're going to be go. a problem
0: now. Everyone listening, if you're, you have to let us know down in the comments and you know, on social media, whether you're a part of the
2: No Front Wing Fan Club because uh, it's gaining some traction. And if you if you want to come as well, Billy, but if you want to come as fans, we will all go down to Screwfix, buy some hacksaws and with I'll fly you out to Monza and at night we're going and cut the damn things off. In the garages before they get on the track. How no, about that? Now, now you mention it, I've heard there's lovely
0: prisons in Monza. <laughs> 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 I'll see you there.
2: <laughs> I'll bail you out, mate. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's that's, that's what I been do.
0: Yeah. I, could, yeah. I think a lot of people would probably be on your side with that one in terms of, you know, just simply wanting the cars to be closer. There are obviously yeah. a few more talking points for us to mention. There was. Van As As much as there was rain at the start, there was rain at the end. We had some great overtaking. Pierre Gasly, shout out to him. A a solid race for Alpine to start the second half of the season.
1: Yeah,
2: really, really good to see. And uh, they need it with all the sort of issues that they've been having with sort of the the management, the top heavy management side of things. And, you know, it was a great result to have in tricky conditions under a lot of pressure, driver and team. And coming away with with a result like that, I think was really good. Okay, a little bit sort of, uh, lucky getting uh, getting that sort of place obviously with Sergio getting his penalty but hey that's that's what racing is all about and for Pierre I thought that was a, a fantastic fantastic result and the the one team that you come out of it with your head going again is the red one yeah. Ferrari uh, it just I thought it
0: was going to come up shortly I mean uh, not only did they struggle in terms of outright pace this weekend and it feel, feels yeah. like they're slipping down the order but the pit stop where you know where they came in and the tyres weren't even there to put on the car. Yeah. They've done that before, but a history they have on that. It just feels, I don't know about you, Johnny. it just feels so frustrating to watch because like you say, they're yeah. a team with such history, such pedigree, and you're just sat there going, just get the simple things right. You know, have the tyres waiting at a pit stop. That's not a complex thing to do in the world of Formula no. 1. If you can't can't do basics right, no matter what sport you're doing, you're never going to be the best. And it just feels like sometimes with that team, they get so caught up in the nitty gritty details that they just don't do the simple things right. And then they make themselves, you know, look silly at times. And yeah, I think a lot of people are just, you know, I'm in the boat of, you know, I've got no allegiance towards Ferrari apart from respecting what they've already done in the sport, you know, their history and... And, and trying to get a car out of them. Yeah. yeah. And oh, maybe that. <laughs> but but genuinely, I, I, I want to see Ferrari compete and I want to see them, you know, be yep. up there. It, but it, yeah, it's, it just feels like when's that moment going to come? It feels like they've had, you know, team principal after team principal come and go. That doesn't seem to solve it. And you just don't know where the fix is for that team.
2: No, you don't. Because obviously there's leadership. Now that's uh, Fred Vasseur. So he's sort of the leader on that side of things. And he's experienced. And it's experience and everything else. I think he's got the right mentality as well. as no pulling agree. his hair out at the, at the present time. Then you go where well, you've got the drivers as well. Now the drivers have a lot of responsibility as well to try and sort of pull that team together and pull it in the right direction. Yeah, agreed. Not to a degree where we've discussed it before, where the driver is actually deciding what the strategy should be as as well. That's, that's that should how it not feels. Not be the case. That's how it feels exactly. And it should be like that. Should not be like that. And you're right, Billy. It should not be. It's not. A, it's not. A difficult fix. Getting the tyres out at the right time, that doesn't seem to be a difficult thing to do. Now, I don't know if it was a late call or whatever, but it didn't seem to be in the scenario that was going on at, at that point. But Fred Vasseur is the one who's got to somehow jump on top of the, all the issues that we don't really see. We only see sort of what happens in front of us, either on a on a TV screen, like most of us are watching it, but there are obviously fundamental issues that are that are unfortunately hanging underneath the 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 Ferrari brand. And it's something that's not good for the brand. It's not good for, for Formula One. It's not good for us as race fans, like you said, I don't have an allegiance one way or the other with all the teams. I,
0: I don't wanna I don't wanna see a race decided no. by not having tires out at a pit stop, you know. I, I want to yeah. be in a position where Ferrari operate to the same level as a Red Bull in terms of their decision Absolutely. making. So then it, it comes down to is Charles Leclerc in that Ferrari able to beat Max in the Red Bull? I don't want it to be the teams to be so involved in you know who wins the Grand Prix because it feels like even if Ferrari had a quicker car at this point, Red Bull operationally would out them, yeah. would make a, have a better pit stop. They'd find a way as a team to make a difference.
2: Yeah, well, we, we've seen it where Ferrari had a car where they could compete against Red Bull. And unfortunately, we saw strategy mistakes. And unfortunately, we saw driver mistakes. So we had the two of the worst sort of scenarios coming into effect. But it should not be, a, as I said, a difficult thing to really bang everybody's heads together. And if change is needed, if change is needed, like the strategy, it needs to happen quickly. You can't just let it go on. And, oh well, we're here. Get it. Get they get used to it. They get better. They learn what they need to do. No, actually, you don't have time.
0: Well, the Formula One moves on quickly, doesn't it?
2: Yes, exactly. It moves on so so quick. So that's where you've got to get the right people in the team to be able to bring the right people into the team. A lot of people say we well, are never going to get the best who were going to move down to Italy. I'm not totally sure that's the case. I remember when a certain Ross Braun and Rory Byrne left Benetton and they went down down to, uh, to Italy and they turned that team around. With Todd, Italy's not a bad place to live, is it, Johnny? Peter? Uh, 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 you know. I think I'd find it very difficult not to like it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, to I be mean, honest. I think,
0: okay, the UK is, you know, obviously where a lot of teams are based and a lot of, you know... People involved in motorsport have a British background, as such, but yeah, I don't think that should be a reason why Ferrari can't. Ferrari, or Ferrari, they should be able to attract the best. Trapped.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I, but I think you've got to put it out there that you're wanting. Now, I don't know if they they have or they haven't, but it it seems to be something that they need to get on, get on with it, and actually sort of get these people to be aware that actually we could come to Italy. We will look after you, you'll have a good time, and this will be something that we can actually turn this around and make Ferrari great again. I've yeah. heard those words before. We've heard those are great again. I've heard those words before somewhere. Yeah. Across the ocean. <laughs> um so yes, so th- there are opportunities out there for people to be able to want to make a move to a team like Ferrari. And, and I've always thought about you, Billy, but I think they've got they've got all the ingredients. It's just all a bit scattered around at the moment. It's a bit, I always say it's a bit like a jigsaw puzzle. you got a red ball. There's probably half a piece, maybe not even half a piece of a jigsaw, a piece missing maybe at a race weekend. And generally, we wouldn't even notice if that piece was not there or not. But they seem to be fragmented all over the place at the moment, Ferrari. And I'm also just saying that we can probably say the same thing a little bit with Mercedes. At the moment, as well, that's not all together. It's all a bit splintered, and it's all a bit sort of there. And oh no, I've got the new piece. Then another piece misses, goes missing over on the other side. So it's not all the teams are able to sort of get it together in one go. And it just happens at the present time. It was Mercedes for the last five, six years, and now it's it's Red Bull are getting all those pieces together. Yeah, Ferrari can do it.
0: Any any other teams can do it, but yeah, like you said, yes. it's on Ferrari. You know, as a team themselves, to start making the calls to get that team where it needs yeah. to be. Um, also, at Zandvoort, you know, let's move away maybe from the teams, more focus on the drivers. And one driver in particular had an absolute shocker of a weekend. Yeah, didn't, didn't I mean it? what bad luck for Daniel Ricciardo? You know, it's gotta it's gotta be said because he's got his opportunity to come back to fight in that Alpha AlphaTauri against Yuki Tsunoda to prove his worth to Red Bull when you've got Sergio Perez under a bit of pressure all of a sudden for that seat, and he goes and and breaks his wrist.
2: Yeah, and uh, it can happen. We we all know that. You can have an off, and you can clatter the barriers like we saw. And Oscar Piastri obviously did the same thing. But it's one of those weird situations. I think we've we've all done it. It's a very rare sight. Is when you know you're going off and you know you're going off at a certain angle, you take your hands off the steering wheel. That's, now
1: yeah. I don't know
2: the whole scenario, but it does seem as if that's that's really that sort of twist on the steering wheel when that suspension gets clobbered that has done the damage. Yeah. And it's 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 surprising in many respects. But of course there's so much else going on sometimes in a cockpit. But you know, when the car is gone, it's never going to come back. Yeah. So just let that steering wheel do what it what it wants to do. It's horrible little vicious dance that it does do in front of your eyes. But yeah, frustrating because as you said, given, you know, got that chance, comes back, everybody from, from within ball, Red Bull, Christian Horner, especially saying he's done everything that he needed to do. And then that happens. And then it sort of puts, you know, all that hard work you've put in and it's sort of almost sort of gone out the window once again. Then you've also got to sort of clamber back through that window and start again when you get that that opportunity. But I will I will do a shout out. Liam Lawson did a great job, I thought, to jump in a car with one session before qualifying and actually now and again in the in race pace was not that bad. Was not embarrassing in one one shape at all so yeah i think that was a good a very good sort of a debut in a very very difficult track in very difficult conditions as well but for daniel yeah it's 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 not the best sort of comeback now we're going to see actually how long it takes before his wrist is is back to back to normal
0: yeah obviously for daniel it's all now about recovery we've obviously heard yeah. the news since this weekend that you know he's gone had his surgery that all went well sure. Uh, looking at the calendar, obviously, we've got Monza coming up this weekend, which Liam Lawson, again, is stepping in. That's been confirmed. Yeah. Then we have a little break before Singapore and Japan. That There's talk that the aim is for him to be back for Singapore, which seems like it could be a little bit ambitious. But, you know, that's we saw how quickly Lance Stroll was able to get back in the car. Obviously, Singapore is a, a super physical track, so that's not going to potentially help f- hit things for Daniel to be back ready. Um, but yeah, Liam Lawson I'm glad you, you brought up his name and mentioned to him Because he's uh, someone that I've had the Experience of racing against uh, I went up against him in 2019 uh, along with Yuki Tsunoda, we raced each other in Euro Formula, Liam and Yuki were actually Teammates that year in Euro Formula And they're back to being teammates <laughs> now in Formula One, so those two know each other Pretty well, but yeah I, I want to second what you said, I thought Solid job from him this weekend All things yeah. considered
2: I want, I want to throw a spanner in the works. Okay. Throw a spanner throw in that the spanner works in for, Dan- for Daniel. If Liam does a good job in his, ne- in his next couple of races, will that change their mindset and actually sort of go, oh, hello, actually, in a limited space of time, in his only three or four races that he's done total compared to Daniel's, however, however races, how many races he's done, do we change it? If he's done that good a job, see for me. If he's beaten Sonoda, it's
0: it's now a head to head between Liam and Yuki in my mind. Sure, I, indeed. I, I think
2: let's say beats him then.
0: Yeah, that's let's that's where him. where I would start to mm. question what decision Alpha Tari, you know, via yeah. football and how Marco. What they'll be very interesting. interesting when Liam and Yuki raced each other in Euroformula, and obviously I noticed a few years ago they've gone on different trajectories <laughs> and paths, but Liam. Nine times out of ten Had the slight edge on Yuki Liam would well, say out of the two When I raced them He had yep. for me That little bit of an edge about him That I thought Okay this kid's good Good insight Billy Good insight So it, it does The fact And I think the fact that Potentially Liam Has raced Yuki And maybe he himself will think Okay I know I can beat this guy Even though he's stepping into The big world of Formula 1 And there's a lot to learn Very quickly I think that's a mentally a positive thing for him to have in his back pocket, knowing that if he when he's got it all right before, it's been enough to maybe have the slight edge on Yuki. Yeah. So it it will be really interesting to see that dynamic and to see that battle unfold over however many races they get the opportunity to go against each other. But for Liam, it's a perfect opportunity, isn't it?
2: Well and Bonzilla is a perfect opportunity as well. So Traki knows really, really well yep. doing it. Been, he's done F2 there. So so this is a great opportunity and these opportunities are so so rare. You know that but it's so so rare. Some you know, when it does come around, you've gotta grab it because if he doesn't grab it weirdly in the way that this this sport is sometimes, it may be his only chance.
0: Yeah, it potentially might so be So he's
2: got to he's gotta work doubly hard, triply hard quadruple, whatever it may be, he's got to do everything he possibly can to be the best prepared physically and mentally.
0: Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing, I don't know about you, but what he can do, like you say, a track that he's been to, but with a proper, a full, this is a full Formula One weekend. There's, you know, free yes, you know, exact. Pra- proper practice sessions to get yep. up to speed. Monza in theory, it's a more straightforward circuit than Zandvoort, you know? Yes. Big braking zones, you know, getting the car stopped, rotated, Getting clean exits Obviously that's very much me simplifying Monza but it's less You know, at yeah. you've got Some tricky long apex corners Where you know, if you're not quite sure what you've got Underneath you, can end up giving up a lot of time So I think I think this circuit, will. Liam will know We saw for example Nick DeVries Jumping at Williams Last year uh. And he got, you know, into the points yeah. And that was next thing you know, he's in Formula 1 Okay, obviously it's it's not gone great. <laughs> he's not Formula 1 already, but he got that opportunity. He seized it yeah. at a track like Monza and he made his way into a proper Formula 1 seat. Liam will be looking at that, probably thinking, why can't I do the same?
2: Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you on that one. So it's it's going to be really interesting, as you say, to have a full weekend for Liam to be able to... You know, to see what he can actually do when it gets to one qualifying, but secondly, when it comes down to the race, because he looks at his race pace, he's got sort of the pretty much the feeling because racing is is pretty much the same. It's that ultimate one lap special lap that you've got to put put it all on all on the the edge of that cliff and hopefully don't fall over it and actually sort of you know do a good job. So you know, with Yuki, it's very important that he beats him because so I think that would be a very very good positive sign for it
0: yeah I think I, I think as well we we sometimes also I've mentioned that you know when I raced him in 2019 I thought you know Liam maybe had the slight edge over Yuki but sure. Yuki kind of got fast tracked to Formula 1 and he's had to learn in at the deep end so he's got that Formula 1 experience now so for me I'm actually quite fascinated to see of being thrown into the deep end in that aspect and spending time being teammates to Gasly and you know having a tough time of it has brought something out of Yuki that maybe, you know, Liam's not expecting and maybe Yuki will continue to have the edge over him. So there's a lot through yeah. that battle that I'm quite fascinated to see. So I'm, I am li- really looking forward to Monza. Yeah, and obviously Wishing, li- too.
2: wishing Liam good luck for that in his first in, proper full weekend. Indeed. One thing I wanted to also bring up with the weather conditions that we had in, in Zandvoort as well. Why the hell did it take so long before we did the restart? I am still totally confused why. Because there was a window that came down very hard, okay. Then it sort of stopped and it, you know, Zanville dries pretty quickly. It seems to drain very, very well. But we just seem to be waiting and waiting and waiting. I don't know how we were waiting for, actually, I think they were waiting for another rain shower to appear, to be perfectly honest, which I know there was a bit of a threat to that at one point. But I don't understand why it takes so long. We just do not ever seem to have an opportunity to see these guys that are out in a slightly trickier condition that you know than we're than we're used to. I've, I found it very frustrating S- sitting at home watching it. Watching yeah,
0: the yeah, there was there was definitely a period from being at the track where we we were looking outside, you know, and thinking it's not raining, like we should but, be using this, and it may be, you know, yeah. obviously there's procedures and stuff, but yeah, I kind of yeah, agree, but- I think we can maybe work on, on fast-tracking that. And, you know, if there's an opportunity there, let's get these drivers out on track. Let's, you know, get the fans what they want to see, which is Formula 1 cars, you know, going up against each other. And uh, yeah. I was kind of hoping for a standing, you know, restart. Again, just to add another element to that race, obviously, rather than the Breed. marketing restart. But yeah. If you're a fan and you've paid to watch it, one of the most entertaining things about a Formula 1 race sometimes is that first lap, those battles, those people that make bold moves like Fernando did on the opening lap. Yeah. And if we get the opportunity to see more of that, I think it's a no brainer.
2: Yeah. And I agree with you actually having a standing start. I think in all my, my F1 racing career and red flags and stop it. I always went off the line, Ooh. always went off the, off the grid. And that seems to me, that's what, that's what a start is all about. A rolling start is sort of go no, doesn't need a rolling start but everybody to follow the sort of safety car and check what their conditions are like and yeah it's okay now the guys at the front no I can't see what's happening for the guys a little bit further behind there's always good you know you're always going to have that sort of mixture of uh, people's what they're what they're seeing in front of them and that is always going to make it a little bit more difficult for for the for the race director to sort of make that call to go racing but I think we need to go racing much sooner than what we did in, in Zanvoort I think they are going to be looking at that whole procedure and speed it up a little bit because it does seem to be a little bit too much of well let's make sure everything's sort of okay and safe but it's not safe motorsport is not safe it says it on the back of the ticket and those conditions are where these are the best in the world and that's what I always say they're the best in the world they'll be able to deal with it yeah, like we saw many many occasion with Max, Lewis, uh, Fernando. The list goes on in tricky conditions, and we even saw those in Temple this time around of yeah. slicks.
0: Definitely an interesting point you've raised there, and let's uh, let's see if they look into it. Right, we're going to take a quick break, but on the other side, we're going to focus on Monza, the upcoming race this weekend, and let's get into some predictions again, Johnny. Right, welcome back to the podcast, guys. So, all things Monza again. It is obviously Ferrari's home race. We're in Italy. The Tifosi are going to be out in full force. And having been in Zandvoort, they're going to have some their work cut out to produce more of a noise than Max's, you know, support the orange army produced. because they. I've got to say they were impressive in
2: Zandvoort, Johnny. The amount of noise they made during that Grand Prix. They always are, aren't they? It doesn't matter where they go, they do seem to be sort of the noisiest fans out there. And of course, they've got a, you know, they've got a right to be noisy because their man is doing, doing the job at the moment. But uh, the spray cans are out uh, in uh, Marinella, so there's a new livery that we're going to see in Monza as well. So that's something that's going to be interesting to see. Um, but it doesn't matter what it, what it, what colour it is, what it looks like, It's how fast it goes, and it's very very important that they have a better weekend, and I say a better weekend, where everything is a little goes a little bit more smoother, a little bit more under control from the team side, but also from the driver's side as well. It's got to be that harmony, and why not start that off, you know, at your home Grand Prix, at Monza with the history that it's got, the success that Ferrari have actually had there as well over the years. It's a great opportunity for them to, to hopefully have a, have a reset, because I think if they have a reset and things sort of calm down, I think they will be in a much, much better, stronger position to actually fight for the podium. I don't know if they're going to be winning races, that's for sure or not, but they're. But I think they've still got a car good enough to get some podium results. Let's hope we see it in Monza.
0: Yeah, we definitely in Zambo saw that Ferrari it, on that sort of circuit seemed to be struggling. Carlos Sainz, yeah. you know. In qualifying, he was sixth, and he, you know, came out of that and basically said, "I'm, I'm chuffed with that." That's, you know, where we were, we weren't really expecting to be this high up, which always sounds weird to hear from a Ferrari driver. But yeah. we obviously saw Charles again, like you said, made that mistake in qualifying and that, you know, put him down in P nine for the start of the Grand Prix. We've mentioned obviously, you know, that that last weekend we we've talked about the flaws of Ferrari and you know what they didn't. Didn't get right. Going into Monza, though, should we, uh, should we talk about some predictions? Ooh, of their home yes. race and uh, see if uh, you know who's got the upper hand in this second half of the season. Out of us two, yes, indeed, indeed. So, who's doing the honours?
2: Well, as I'm going to, I'm going to start this one. Okay, all right, it's pre- because it's quite a difficult one.
0: Um. Oh, 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 oh. Ah. Uh, I know where uh, the trick... Max! Yeah, okay. Max. <laughs>
2: yeah. Going for Max on that one. Yeah. Uh, i tell you what, I'm going to go for Sergio this time around. I think that just this type of track, the straight line speed advantages that they sort of clearly have anyway, is going to come into more of an effect. It's not as tricky, like you said, uh, Billy, the the circuit compared to Zanvil or Monaco, for example. So I'm going to put Sergio uh, in second this weekend. And then for third, this is going to be a the, the tricky one for that one. You know, I, I honestly think, I think Fernando can do it again because I think he... I knew they, you were going to say Fernando. And I only say Fernando because it looks, and we saw that just before the break in Spa, but when we come here, they seem to have reset their upgrade that wasn't going in the right direction they seem to have done a reset but they do seem to have sort of done it in a very positive way and Fernando there's a little picture I saw when he was on the podium looks a very happy chap when you have a happy Fernando you've got a damn fast Fernando
0: yeah I think that's a good prediction from you there that's throwing it back to the start of the season isn't it really where Aston really with the second best team behind Red Bull that was a podium we saw quite a lot, you know, at the yeah. start of the year. So it does feel like that potentially after the last Grand Prix and that summer break, Aston Martin have come out the blocks firing. But I am, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go slightly different to you there. Oh, not with who's winning, of course. That's going to be Stappen. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to
2: say you're going to be brave the No, here.
0: definitely. Not. <laughs> you, you've got to be silly to go against Max, especially. Yeah, you know, considering. Has he won the last Nine Grand Prix, I
2: believe that to be true In a row I'm not adding him up Matching anymore Matching Vettel's record oh, Yes exactly Yes yeah, That was an impressive thing as well We've got a better say about that yeah. How impressive that is Nine I didn't think wins think we ever see that In again. a
0: row Max In a row That's Sebastian, Sebastian Vettel's record uh, And it's no, probably Going to get broken <laughs> I think so I think, so. think so. so On a
2: bad day Even on a bad day I think you're still going to win
0: Yeah I believe that to be the case so Max to win for me yeah, I know I know what you mean when you say You think Red Bull straight line advantage Will, uh, will mean Checo is going to be up there But for some reason I just don't quite think he's going to make the podium I think he's going to be 4 or around that mark So I'm not putting you're, Checo on my harsh. podium I, I, I just don't know Because he's always good at street circuits for me And I just feel like sometimes when the track's a little bit, you know, he's it's more lesser a risk factor to it. I sometimes feel like that you, you don't get the best of Checo. So even though there's lots of long straights, I think in the breaking zones and those nippy chicanes, I think he might just leave a little bit more on the table than the yeah. likes of a Fernando or a Lewis. So yeah,
2: I I think I I think he's good on sort of low grip circuits, Monza. Not very, very much downforce, so low grip. That's why. That's okay, why I've gone this I can, way. yeah, I, so, can, I can see that. So, so where are you going then? So there's two, yeah, two different
0: trains of thought there on Checo, but yeah, you've gone for a yep. second. So Bav. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Fernando Alonso is going to be up there,
1: but uh-huh. I don't
0: think he's going to be quite as good as a certain Lewis Hamilton, who I think's going to. We saw the race Ooh. pace from him in Zandvoort, and I think he'll actually get qualifying right. In Monza So my, my podium is Max to win Lewis to finish second Fernando to finish third
2: Okay Yeah Get that one Lewis Interesting Have they, have they improved that straight line speed of that uh, Brick
0: I, I it From what I've seen I think That they can call make Call it a
2: brick <laughs> I, 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 I say Apologies to To people who um, Have put a lot of hard work Into that <laughs> Aerodynamics <laughs> <hints>. Sorry Apologise <laughs>
0: But but, but has, it has but it has been. I think Mercedes were one of those teams at the start of the season. It didn't look like they had a quick car and a straight line. But I do feel like they've got on top of that. I do feel like Burf. you know I'm thinking more to, to Spa. They seem to you know. I know they didn't have an amazing weekend there, but I saw glimpses of pace from them, and I think I I do think that they can they can get it right. So again, that's that's. With Lewis's form and that he showed in the race in Zambor, so I know their race pace is good. Obviously, it's less, maybe less significant at Monza, you know, because yeah. it's you know less high speed, you know, corners where you're really putting a lot of loads through your tires. But equally, you still have you know traction. You can dig the tires, you know, from that perspective. So, yeah, for me, I think Lewis is going to put something together at Monza. So that that's what I'm going for. I'm going for. For Lewis in second, I think Merck have improved that car and I think he's gonna have the bit between his teeth after Quali and Zanvolt not going his way.
2: Yeah. No, I I, I get where you've you've gone me that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw only something slightly a twist, a little boomerang into this. Not an Australian driver at all. I reckon that Williams might be pretty handy around this, especially when it comes to Agile qualified. Race is always a bit of a I'm not quite sure, but I reckon they could be quite slick. It's, in, it's interesting you said that to me mm.
0: Because before Before last weekend that's, I've just known that car to be so quick in a straight line And especially how quick but, they were in Zanvoort I think yeah. I would have been a Completely on the same train of thought as you But I had the chance to speak To Alex Albon This weekend but, just gone at Zanvoort And he interestingly said That their car isn't as slick In a straight line anymore That they seem to have dropped down the, the pecking order when it comes to the speed traps and he said well they're not too sure why but they seem to have lost a bit of slipperiness in that car but the performance maybe through the The performance is seeming to work for him so when he said that that's what's put me off that scent a little bit because you know normally like you say their car is just a lightning bolt in a straight line but it may just made me think that maybe monza might actually turn out to be a, a little bit of a worse track for them than maybe you'd
2: think Oh, interesting. Very interesting. It's always good to chat to a driver. Yeah. Always good to get a little bit of the old uh, yeah, story, storyline. Yeah. He
0: might have been absolutely selling me a dummy, Johnny. Don't get me wrong. I I don't think Alex is that sort of guy, but he might have just been throwing a banana skid out for me.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's efficient. Okay, maybe it has lost a little bit of the old slippiness and advantage that they had. But I think efficiency it doesn't seem too bad at all, does it? Because you're right, its actual performance has really improved, but it's improved in a way that, and I remember talking to him in Silverstone, and he said, it, the car is so drivable, so, so drivable, and of course that is very sort of beneficial sometimes. So yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what they what they can do on a track that is obviously high speed, and high speed is something that you do need a different characteristic from a from a package
0: Right, well, there are our predictions. Johnny's gone with the Red Bull one two, Fernando yeah. third. I've gone for Max, Lewis and Fernando. You're not getting that Ferrari, are you? No, I... we're none <laughs> of us mentioning Ferrari on the podium. We might no. both be made to look silly and have a lot of angry defosi yeah. saying, I told you so, and chasing us around town, but who knows who knows our predictions have been a little bit off this season so maybe the cars in red will get it together at monza but really and en- really enjoyed going through that one with you mate it's been a little while so yeah good to get, get the thing uh everything rolling again and uh the podcast will be back to its usual regular slot so uh be sure to tune in after this race weekend out in monza we'll have our little debrief for you before we set up the next grand prix in singapore so for me it's a thank you and looking forward to, to getting the podcast up and rolling again.
2: Yeah and it's been good doing it with you Billy. I'm glad uh, that we've we've got it all going once again now that the season is started and of course look forward to talking to you after uh, the Italian Grand Prix. So for us it's goodbye and uh, we'll catch you in the next one. This is a Soapbox London and SBX Studios production. Our executive producers were Rowan Wilkinson and Andy Bell.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's.